Amen. Amen. You can go and have a seat and Merry Christmas. Awesome. And uh, it's just great to be together as a family, whether you are here in person or online. Uh, You are loved here. You are welcome here. You are wanted here. And we are so, so very glad that you are here, every single one of you. And I just want parents in the room, this is family. And so if the kid's a little wiggly, that's okay. Um, And actually, this is a participatory sermon and message and and spirit in this this church. And so there are going to be multiple times where we need and we want some class participation. And so when we ask for it, loud and proud. Okay, kids? Awesome. My guy's in on it. Awesome. It's going to be a great time praising the Lord. And we're going to be in Luke chapter two, if you are, if you want to head start there. And my name is Dan Hammer. I have the privilege of being the pastor here. And it's just a joy to to worship our Lord and welcome our Savior today. Well, um, I have a question for you guys and I need some participation. I need you to think for about five seconds. And then I want you on the count of three. I want everybody to answer at once as loud as you can. Okay. So what is the, your favorite Christmas present you've ever received of all time, right? So think about that for a few seconds. And on the count of three, I want you to shout it out. Ready? One, two, three. All I heard was Thomas really, really loves Th- uh, Taylor Swift. I, don't, I didn't really, <laughs> I had no idea. You learn something new about people every single time, every single day. Well, as we're going to see today, from the very first Christmas in Bethlehem to this very Christmas in the suburbs of Baltimore, that Christmas is always has been, always will be about the greatest giver giving the greatest gift to meet our greatest need. That is God sending his son, Jesus Christ, born as a babe in Bethlehem. That's what we call the incarnation, that God took on, didn't give up any of his deity. He stayed fully God, but he took on full humanity. And that incarnation, as Pastor Andrew talked about earlier, points to the crucifixion and the resurrection, which ultimately leads us to have to the transformation of salvation to get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Praise God for that, amen. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, I don't know how you're feeling or how you came in here, but this gift is a free gift to all of us. And it's not that we don't, we deserve it because frankly, we don't. It's not that we can earn it because frankly, we can't. But it's not based on our merit, but it's based on God's mercy. Praise God for that, that God looked on us in reality and loved us beautifully and powerfully as we're going to see in the text today from Luke chapter two, verses one through 20 and sent us the greatest gift for all of eternity. Today, this Christmas, no matter whether you are experiencing the highest of highs or lowest of lows that this world has to offer, man, have I got some good news for you. I'm inviting you to come and see the good news of Christmas, to come and see Jesus Christ the one who changes everything, amen? The one who provides us hope and joy and peace and love and salvation regardless of our external circumstances because he changes everything in our internal circumstances of our heart. As we said earlier, you'll see it on the notes, you'll see it on the screen that the big idea, the one big idea that if you take away anything from tonight is this, that Christmas is the greatest giver of all time, that's God, giving us the greatest gift of all time, that's Jesus Christ and salvation to meet our greatest need of all. 
Praise God for that, amen. Would you pray with me as we dive into his word tonight? Father, we just thank you for the reality and the beauty of Christmas. We thank you that you sent your one and only son to die for us. We thank you that we get to celebrate. And no, and no matter how we are feeling, and the reality is we're not denying the depravity of this world or the difficulty or the hostility that we are experiencing in this life. But today, Jesus, we are elevating you. We are elevating the reality that into our mess, you came. And into our sin, you brought salvation and that you are our hope, that you are our joy, that no matter what the world says about us, we anchor in the reality of who you, what you say about us and what you did for us, that nothing and no one can take away the salvation that you give us and bring us freely and praise you for that, Jesus. Eliminate the distractions of our heart over the next few moments and just turn our hearts, turn our eyes to behold our Savior, to behold our God, to behold Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, who paid our price and offers us free, a, the free gift of salvation. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, do what you want to do in all of our hearts tonight. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So look with me at Luke chapter two, and whether this is a very, very familiar passage, and you've heard this dozens, if not hundreds of times, or maybe this is the first time hearing this, this passage, I'm so thankful for it. And we have a Bible for you in the back, if you would like one, I'd make that be our gift to you. But Luke chapter two, the first 20 verses here, the Luke is the third gospel, the third book of the New Testament. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be assigned to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among who, those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up the, all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Praise God. Amen. Now in this time, context is important as you dig into God's word. Life was very, very, very difficult for Mary and Joseph and all who lived during this time. There was an oppressive Roman government and taxes, uh, and taxes were high. Military rule was in place and the Roman law nor Greek philosophy or even Jewish religion could meet the deepest needs and satisfy the deepest desires of anyone who lived there. And the, and the events in the verses of the first seven verses of chapter two of Luke, multiple prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled. Praise God that God always does what he says and he keeps his promises. Amen. 
It's beautiful and it's powerful, but we're going to focus primarily on verses 8 through 20 tonight. But one of the beautiful insights from the first seven verses that should give us hope in today, and even as we head into 2024, is that God even uses a corrupt earthly government to accomplish his purposes. Praise God for that. Amen. That no matter who sits in whatever governmental office, Jesus reigns on the throne. And for that, we can have hope and we can anchor our hearts in that beautiful reality. Now, as we go to verses eight and nine, we see the shepherds and in the same reason, the shepherds were out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. Now the shepherds were faithful people. They did their jobs and they did them well, but you know what they also were? They were a little forsaken. They were exiles, they were social outcasts. They were ceremonially, because of what they did, determined to be unclean by religion. You know what that meant? One, they could not go into the temple to worship. They were not welcome there. And two, they could not clean themselves. They couldn't get right religiously enough to be able to enter the presence of God. And maybe you're feeling that way tonight. Maybe you're feeling a little outcast from society or that you can't clean yourself up. Well, that's normal because you can't. You can't earn our salvation. We can't do anything worthy enough to be in God's presence and in pure holiness on our own. But the beautiful thing about this passage is that even though the shepherds could not enter the presence of God in terms of where they could worship, God brought his presence to them. Even when religion put them off and sent them away, God pursued them because our God is an ever-pursuing, obstacle, obstacle overcoming, barrier-breaking God. Praise God for that. Amen. And we see that beautiful reality here in verse 9. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, the manifest presence of God. And they were filled with fear. Verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I don't know what you may or may not be afraid of tonight, but faith is the antidote to fear. As we're going to see in this text, fear not is the most common command in all of scripture. And many of us are tempted to fear. I'm fearing some things tonight. Let's be real. All of us in this room are probably fearing something, if not many things. Praise God for the reality that God meets us in our fear. He meets us as we are an outcast. He doesn't wait for us to have to come to him. He comes to us. That's the story of Christmas. And he breaks through. He makes a way where previously there would be no way. God chose to reveal the beauty of the majesty of his coming of his son to those whose society viewed as outcasts, to those who were unworthy and unwelcome. Praise God that God works in profound ways, amen? And he's continuing to do that. Now, the angels have this beautiful message in verse 10. They say, behold, you know what the word behold means? It means pay attention, focus your eyes, focus your hearts on what? That I bring you, what's the next two words in the text? I bring you what? Good news. Say that with me. Good news. Bad news? No. What? Good news. Praise God for good news. Amen. Who could use some good news tonight? I can. In a world full of bad news, we need some good news. And praise God that we have some. That's Christmas. Literally, it's right here in the text. We open our doors, we turn on our social media accounts, and it's just bad news after bad news and wars and homicides and, and stock markets crashing and uh, political unrest and, and you name it bunch of bad news, but into that bad news. And remember the context in this day and age, the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and all the people, they understood that what we are experiencing today and into a world full of bad news, God brings his good news. You know what this good news is? Literally, it's the gospel. This word literally means gospel. It means to proclaim the gospel. 
The good news is the gospel, the reality that you and I are sinners. We can't clean ourselves just like the shepherds could not clean themselves in need of a savior that one sin requires a death penalty and separation from God for all of eternity. And we can't do enough, earn enough, pay enough to make ourselves right with God. But the good news is that God sent his son to live a perfect life, fully God, fully man, to die on the cross for our sins. The gospel in four words, friends, little ones especially, is this, Jesus in my place. And when he died our death, his righteousness took on our accounts and he took our sin on his and he paid our price and we can now stand before a holy God and God sees us as holy and perfect because he sees the righteousness of his son in us. Praise God for that. And that through faith, that's a free gift of God's grace. If we respond in faith, we can experience salvation. That's the good news. Now look at it, it gets better. It gets better. Good news, a great joy will be for, what's the next word after four? And I know we had different versions for some of the people or what? All of the people. So if we're all in need of some good news tonight, can I got good news for you? This text says that good news is for not just some of us, but who? All of us. Praise God for that. That the gospel is for all. The gospel should be overall and it's for all. Tonight, I, that's the best news that we will ever receive. That God, the greatest giver, gave us the freest, greatest gift to meet our greatest need. But while the gospel is universal in availability, it is personal in responsibility. It's available to all the people but it's personal that I have a responsibility to make a response. I, my, what my kids say, my mom says, my spouse says, it doesn't matter when I come face to face with Jesus. I need to make an individual response. I can't save myself. My parents can't save me. Coming to church can't save me. There is a personal response that I need to make. The gospel demands a response. The good news demands a response. What's your response tonight? Tonight, we're gonna see two responses to the good news of the gospel. The first is this, unwrap it. What does that mean? It means to come and see it, to open it, to understand what it is. And we see the word see multiple times in this text, verse 15, 17, 20, to come and see Jesus. That's the invitation to come and see the good news, to unwrap it, to see it in all its beauty and splendor and majesty for it to come alive, to react for the reality. It's not just universal, it's personal, it's for me. Jesus came for the whole world, but he also came for me, me. Isn't that amazing? That's mind-blowing. It's life-changing. It's eternity-altering. As we look at this text, we're going to see three distinct gifts of God that we need to unwrap tonight. Now, when it comes to gifts, there are generally two types of people. I don't know what you are or what people in your house are. There are the delayed gratification people and the instant gratification people, often evidenced by how many people have shaken a box or two that has come in from Amazon, like, what is in this box? <laughs> or if it was right here, you would open it right now. And how many other people would be like, no, I want to wait till Christmas day. I want to be surprised, right? Now, there, we welcome without judgment, all different types of people here, okay? So whether you're instant gratification or delayed gratification, I got good, good news. The gospel is both. It provides instant gratification that it gives us hope, joy, peace, and love and salvation now, like right here on earth. But the delayed gratification aspect is it gives us hope for eternity, that one day we will see Jesus face to face, that one day we will be in a place where there is no more pain, sickness, illness, sin. Praise God for that. And in that we have eternal hope. So there is instant and delayed gratification with these gifts. So let's get to it. Let's unwrap it. What do you say, Levi? You want to unwrap the gifts? Awesome. Yeah, he does. All right. So what's the first gift we get to unwrap? It's right here in verse 11. Any guesses, kids, what might be the first gift? What is it? 
What? Yeah. Well, that's the last gift, actually. Ha! Wrong order. You ever open the, the gifts out of order at home? Yeah. And that, you hide that? Here's the first gift right here. Any guesses? Shout them out if you got a guess. Yeah, you brown noser. That's my kids. <laughs> yeah. Joy, right? Good news of great what? Joy. Little joy or great joy? Great joy. Now, what is joy? The good news is you can have it. The bad news is we don't really know how to define it here in our day and age. So often we think that joy is a synonym for happiness. It's not. Happiness is often based on surface level external conditions. I'm happy if my team wins or I get the bonus or, or I have you know, straight A's at school. If I don't, then I'm sad. Joy is a constant. It's based on the reality of the unchanging circumstances of our heart that Jesus gives to us. Joy is a supernatural delight that we have in the grace of God, the person of God, the purposes of God, the plan of God, and the power of God. It's supernatural because it's a gift of God, literally. It's the fruit of the Spirit that God gives us it to us. So friends, where is your joy tonight? You might not be feeling very joyful because there are hard external circumstances in your life. But that leads to the question of what is the source of your joy? Because if your joy is rising and falling based on the external circumstances of your life, then the reality is you're probably sourcing your joy in your circumstances and not in the never-changing Christ. So joy is a free gift and it's available for us, but we need to anchor it in the gift of Jesus Christ. Understand that? Yeah. So what's the second gift that we, you think what we might be able to have tonight? Let's see. Let's Let's look in verse 14, right? As we unwrap this gift tonight. What, what do the angels say to the shepherds? Peace on earth. earth. Woohoo! Peace on earth. Peace is possible. I talked to somebody before the service. What do you want for Christmas? Peace. And not really just the world peace, which is like the generic, like Miss USA answer. <laughs> But peace, all of us are wrestling for peace. And some of us tonight are like, how in the world is peace possible? My bank account is fluctuating. My re relational statuses are, it's complicated. My work situation is in flux. How in the world can I have peace? Well, biblical peace is actually a restored relationship with God, our heavenly father, that again is not based on earthly circumstances, but is anchored in Jesus Christ and the work he did for us on the cross. You see, peace is possible. The angels are telling the shepherds, you can have peace, but where are you looking for your peace? Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is not the absence of the storm. Peace is in the reality, the presence of the savior in the middle of the storm, because he will either calm the storm or he will guide you through the storm. Praise God for that, amen. And now here, Christmas is the reality that peace is here because Jesus is here. Because friends, get this, Jesus just doesn't give us peace. He does, he makes it possible to have peace with God our Father, but he actually, Ephesians 2 says, is our peace. And if you wanna know what a great opportunity this Christmas, in addition to Luke 2, read Ephesians chapter two. Read Philippians chapter two to see what peace is. And here's what Paul writes about peace in, in, in Ephesians. He says, just a snippet of chapter two. 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Isn't that awesome? That God, think about the shepherds, they were forsaken, but through Jesus, he takes forsaken people and makes them family through faith. Isn't that awesome? Praise God for that, that gift of peace. And I know our world is tough. As I look at the faces, I don't even know all the details. I just know some of the details of some of y'all's lives. And I know it's really, really hard. I know it's hard, but I know that peace is possible. Jesus said it in John 16, 33. He looks at his disciples and he, was, he had just told them all these things that I'm gonna leave you, that one of you is gonna betray me. And they watched Judas run out of the room right before he goes to the cross. And he said, but I have told you all of these things that in me, in who? Jesus, you may have what? Peace. In this world, you will have trial, trouble, trouble tribulations, depending on your versions. But fear not, why? Because I have overcome the world. So peace is possible in and through Jesus Christ as we anchor in his promises. Where is your source of peace today? That's good news that peace is possible, amen? So what's this third gift that we're gonna open tonight from the, that Jesus is offering us, that God is giving us, that we can unwrap? It's a free gift, any guesses? Hope or love. Hope or love, kinda, not really. It's wrapped in there. This was tricky because it's not literally in there for a word. Salvation. Now, how, where do we get salvation from this text in Luke chapter two? Well, if you look at Luke verse 11, the angel said, for you, unto who? Unto you is born this day. It's personal. Unto you, shepherds. Unto you is born this day. Not tomorrow, but right now. It's an invasion of hope. The, God, the, the incarnation is a D-day of the gospel is a savior. There are three names here, Christ, the Lord. They all play, play an integral role, same person, Jesus, an integral different aspect of who Jesus is and how he offers us salvation. He's the savior. You know what his, Jesus's name is? He was given by God. His name was going to be Jesus. And in fact, the angel told, told his dad, Joseph, in Matthew 1, his name shall be Jesus. Why? Because he will save the people. The name Jesus actually in Hebrew means Yeshua. It's Joshua. Our Lord saves. He's our savior. And we are all sinners in need of a savior. Amen. If you commit one sin, that means you fall short of God's standard and need a savior. Because without that, you would spend eternity far away from God. But he's not, he's not, he's, he's in addition to being our savior. He's also Christ. Now, when you hear Jesus Christ, it sounds like somebody might say John Smith. Well, Christ is not just a surname. It's not just a last name. It's a title. It means Messiah. It means anointed one. The one who was promised and who is now here. God keeps his promises. The Messiah in that Jesus is the only way that we can experience salvation. He's a long-awaited one, the one who gives us access to eternal life. John in, in John 14 says this, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Can I tell you that that's a lot of good news. It's both exclusive and inclusive. It's exclusive because there's no other way to God or eternity or heaven outside of Jesus Christ. It's exclusive. And some people might go, that's not very nice. It is the most loving thing ever because we don't deserve any way. But when we didn't deserve any way, God made a way, praise God. And Jesus Christ is that way. And it's inclusive in that it's available to all the people. We saw that from Luke two, right? This is my message for all the people. That Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one who will save you. And he's the Lord. You know what Lord means? Lord means boss. It means that I surrender. 
It means he's my master. I'm going to do what he says and not what I want. Now, some of us adults and kids struggle with that because we like control. We want to do it whose way? My way. It's like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. But lordship means I surrender my rights freely and I submit to the word and the will and the ways of God wholeheartedly. Every word I want to, I want to follow. And I, we're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect, but it means a commitment of pursuit. It's a life of pursuit. So friends, let me ask you this tonight. Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your Messiah? Is he your savior? Because while these gifts of God that we have unwrapped and they're all available to you free of free, they cost us nothing. They cost Jesus everything. They all require a response. To not respond is to respond in the negative. There is no in-between. You either accept it or you reject it. Christmas is God making a way for all who otherwise wouldn't be allowed in his presence. Christmas is the greatest giver of all, giving the greatest gift of all. So my, but it requires a, a response. So what's your response? The first is to unwrap it, to see it, to understand who Jesus is. And the second is to receive it. When it comes to the gospel, it demands a response. You either reject it or you receive it. What are you doing with it tonight? What are you doing with it? Because there's no in-between. It's like a Christmas present. If you open a present tomorrow, you unwrap it, and it's that lovely sweater your great-grandmother gave you, and you're like, I'm never going to wear this, but I'm going to smile. <laughs> and then when she goes out of town, you return it, or you put it in a drawer, and you never, apply, you never apply it. You abandon the gift. It has no impact on you. You unwrapped it, but you didn't really receive it. Get my point? Same thing with God's gifts. Many people know who Jesus is intellectually, but they have not been transformed because you have not received it and surrendered by faith. You have like a, your, your great-grandmother's Christmas sweater, put it or returned it, you've abandoned it. When I was a teenager growing up, I visited my uncle who lived on the Jersey Shore and I opened his cabinets because I'm nosy sometimes and I was hungry in the middle of the night. And on, in those cabinets were like dozens of tins of, you know what was in there? My grandmother's, his mother's homemade oatmeal raisin cookies she would make for him every birthday and every Christmas. He didn't have the heart to say no. He never ate them, never consumed them. And that was gross. <laughs> But how many of us are that, like the gospel, we come to church, we hear about over and over and over and over, Jesus, 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 but we never surrender. We never receive it. We just throw it away. We take our Bible, put it on a shelf, get it back out on Easter, dust it off and come to church. But Jesus has no impact on us. And, yeah, and, and you really have not experienced salvation. You have not received that gift, I pray. Because we see in verse 15, the, the shepherds had a choice to make. The angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let us stay here in the, in the smelly hills. Let it walk continually amongst the mess. You know what sheep do? They're smelly and they're stinky. You know what they also do? They poop a little bit. Are you allowed to say poop in church? Guess what? But they're walking around the mess all the time. And so many of us are stuck in our mess. And we're like, I need help. And the angel's like, here's the gospel, but we just choose to stay put. We go to church and we don't do anything with it. The angels could have stayed in the field in their mess. But you know what the definition of insanity is? doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. How many of you are doing that right here, right now, because you've never surrendered and truly received the gift of Jesus Christ? You never applied it. But not the shepherds. They made the decision to come and see Jesus. Come and see the good news. They said in verse 15, let us go over to Bethlehem and what? And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had made known to us. May we, like the shepherds, choose to respond to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a free gift by receiving it. Five ways to do that for all of us tonight. The first is this, come to Jesus. If you think this is a come to Jesus message, guess what? It is. It's in the text. The shepherds literally went to Jesus. Did they 
clean themselves up before going to Jesus? Nope, they came stinky and messy. Did they stop and get their Sunday best on? Nope, they came as they are. Jesus is inviting you tonight. Come and see me as you are hurting, broken, sinful, messy, confused, questioning. Just come. And friends, I want to invite you to come. That's the free gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He loves you where you are. He loves you right now. He will meet you where you are. And by the grace of God, he won't leave you where you are. Praise God for that. Just come. So they came as they were, but did they wait for it? No, look at the text, verse 16. They went with haste. They went fast. They went now. How many, I'll get around to that in New Year's resolution. I'll read my Bible. No, do it now. I'll put my faith on the Lord when I get older. I used to be that way. Friends, don't be like me. Do it now. Make it personal. I grew up in the church. My dad was a lay elder and very, very small group leader. You name it, involved. And I'm like, I'll get serious about that as a teenager when I'm a young adult. I made a mistake. Don't be me. Make it personal. Make it now. Own your faith. Will you come to Jesus tonight? Secondly, treasure Jesus. Look at verse 19. Mary, the mother of Jesus, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, what is she treasuring? A wide variety of things, but think about the context. She is a teenager. She had just given birth. I have never given birth, okay? I've been in the room when it's happened four times. It's messy. It's loud. It's a lot of confusing things but she treasured not just the presence of Jesus, but also unexpected visitors. Anybody who just gave birth wants thinking unexpected shepherds showing up going, Hey, there's a little baby here. Can I hold him? Can I see him? What's going on here? She let them in and she treasured not just Jesus, but the impact of the life of Jesus already that how he was impacting others around her. And I can just think holy imagination. It's all worth it. He's at work around me. Friends, this Christmas season, will you stop? Will you slow down? Treasuring means abiding. Treasuring, the word literally treasuring means to stow away, to save for later like squirrels stowing away nuts for the winter. When, when three months later, you're struggling in your faith or you're riding the joy roller coaster and something's starting to you, you're like, I remember what happened that night. Maybe this Christmas and there's hosting, there's traveling, there's unwrapping, there's cooking, all the things, maybe less task oriented this Christmas and more treasuring, amen? Soak it in whatever way you need to, write it down, memorialize it, revel in it, treasure Jesus because he is a treasure. And that leads to worshiping Jesus. What's our next response to apply the good news? Worship in verse 20, the, the shepherds went back And they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They returned glorifying and praising God. They were worshiping Jesus for all they had experienced, all they had seen. But where were they doing that? They went back to the field. They went back to their job. Their external circumstances hadn't changed a whole lot. They were still amongst smelly, stinky sheep. The religion still said, you're an outcast, but they had been forever changed because of the internal conditions of their heart. Praise God for that. And they worshiped at work. What would it look like if you chose to worship God on the way back to your college campus, at your college campus, in your neighborhoods, in your workplace? The difficulty might not be gone. Worship is not denying the difficulty. Worship is elevating Jesus Christ's sovereignty and his victory and trusting him in that. Worship by definition is ascribing worth. 
We're going to elevate Jesus Christ. Will you do that today? Worship literally, our word worship comes from the old English word worship. It's out of ascribing the worth to Jesus that he is due. We elevate him over all and we set our hearts on him in all. The fourth thing to do in, to receive Jesus and to apply the good news today is this, to share Jesus. Look at verse 16 and 17. The, they went with haste and they saw Mary and Joseph and the baby and lying in the manger, verse 17. And when they saw it, when they came and when they saw the good news in live and living color, they made no, they kept silent about it. No, they made known. They proclaimed the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered. The word wonder there means amazement at what the shepherds had told him. These outcast shepherds turned gospel evangelists overnight. Why? Because Jesus changed everything. The gospel changes everything, amen? And once I have it, we aren't meant to just be gospel con- recipients. We are meant to be gospel conduits, both near and far across the table, across the cubicle, across the, the cul-de-sac and across the world. And that's our commitment here at Harvest. My question to you is who is God calling you to share the good news of the gospel with Jesus Christ with? How he changed you from forsaken to family? how he changed everything about you. We are committed to that here at Harvest, locally, regionally, globally. And one of the ways that we're doing that is through sponsoring and supporting missionaries who've actually been, God has raised up out of our church and sent to a place called Nicaragua. And her name is Victoria Garris. Watch this video to see how God is working in and through Victoria. Well, she was, shares the good news. It was a pretty great beginning because I grew up in a Christian family. Yeah. So I was just surrounded by the gospel, by with my parents, my yeah. siblings, church. Yeah. Um, at the age of seven, I did accept Christ um, as my savior. And yeah. ever since then, I've been growing in the Lord. It's yeah. never been, you know, stop. Sanctifications every day, even at the age of eight, I swear. Um, and when I was eight, I was able to go to a missions conference where a missionary came and she kind of furthered the decision that I made. She explained the gospel again to me. She explained like how it is I'm supposed to live. And then she explained about what she does and how she goes into different countries and shares the gospel with kids my age. And it just hit me, you know, like I hear this every day. I hear it in my mom, I hear it at school. And there's, you have to think about it. There's kids all over the world that have never heard this. And it's like, it hits you, it hits you. And at the age of eight, I was like, wow. And so I had like this idea of like, I want to be a missionary. I really do. And as years went on, it kind of faded, got on the back burner. I went the practical route. I was going to be a vet, you know, work and money. And when I graduated high school, God shut that door very quickly. Um, God was like, you know, I don't think the veterinarian route is just for you. And so one day a friend introduced me to Word of Life. It's a ministry organization. They say that you can have an internship where you go overseas, do a missionary um, internship while doing school online. I was like, that's good. That's an opportunity. But then I signed up and they were like, you have to do two years at the Bible Institute. I'm like, there's a Bible Institute. Okay. So I went and thank God I did. I loved my two years at the Bible Institute. They taught me how to share the gospel. They taught me how to live the gospel and how to train others in the ministry. And they trained me in ministry with discipleship. And it was so good. If I didn't go those two years, I probably would not have been really good on the missions field. So after I graduated, I signed up for CCI, which is the cross-cultural internship I'm doing now. 
and yeah, uh, God led me to Nicaragua after many, many interviews. He led me to Nicaragua to work with kids, and it made me think about when I was eight. I was like, okay, this is it. God wants me to work with kids. God wants me to share the gospel with kids, and this is my opportunity. And so after a long time of prayer, I decided Nicaragua was where I wanted to go, and God just kept opening doors, opening doors for me to go. And I made it. Um, in February of this year, I was able to be shipped off to Nicaragua, and man, it's been a life-changing experience, really. Um, just being with the kids in that culture, learning about how they live, learning about what they, they, they do, it's been amazing. Um, and, you know, learning a different language was not, you know, something I thought was going to be difficult, but it is. <laughs> I remember my first couple of months, I was definitely in the ministry where I didn't have to speak. I was behind the camera. I was making the juice. I was feeding, uh, not doing a lot of talking. But I remember one day on my birthday, um, such a gift. It was the best like birthday gift ever. But I was able to talk to a kid. He was about six or seven. And I was able to share the gospel with him. And in Spanish, which is really shocking because I think God just, you know, just took over. The Holy Spirit just gave me the words because I know, God knows, I did not know all the words to the gospel, but he gave them to me. And I was able to share it with him, and he accepted Christ. And it was the best feeling I ever had, just to see the, the light come into his eyes and for him to understand what the gospel is. It just, it was just the perfect gift. And after that, you know, I kept working, and I kept working with the kids, and it, I fell more in love with the culture. I fell in more in love with the people and how they are. And it's just, it's amazing. Um, Nicaragua has changed my life forever. The, the culture there has taught me that it's not the matter of wants, but it's the matter of needs. Um, and their need is the gospel. Their need is to hear the word of the Lord. And I feel so blessed to be able to be a part of giving that to them. Amen. Praise God. It's awesome. And we have the actually greatest blessing. Victoria's here tonight with her family. And so we, can we just give thanks to God for the work he's doing in and through Victoria? We love you and we're super thankful for you. Um, and part of our end of year giving that we're doing is going to support Victoria's work in Nicaragua, as well as our partnership in the Dominican Republic and, and also our budget here at Harvest. And so I want to give you a quick update to that and ask if you would partner with that to help the, uh, expand the gospel and sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's provided, we have a $10,000 goal. He's provided $5,900 so far. Praise God for that. Amen. And so my ask is, would you consider helping us get across the finish line with a final $4,100 gift in response to who God is and what he's done for us here at Harvest and, and whatever gift you could give online uh, through the app, in person, via check, EOI giving would be super helpful. But we're trusting the Lord to go further. And Victoria shared with me, she has a personal goal to raise $200 more a month to help get some more kids into school to hear the gospel. So if God lives on your heart to support her directly, she's here tonight. She would love to talk with you about that. God is doing a phenomenal work in and through her. Praise God for that. And we have some, actually some cards of, of hers on the back table and by the foyer. So how are you, how is God calling you to share the gospel this Christmas season? And this final present here is tied into the last thing that we all need to do to respond and to apply, to respond to 
the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight, the good news, and that is this, to believe it, to believe in Jesus. Look at verse 20. The shepherds said, all who heard it wondered. The shepherds told them, Mary treasure, verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told them. They believed. They believed that Jesus was a savior, that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Lord. So the final gift that you are being offered tonight is this reality, is the question of will you choose to believe? It comes in the, it comes in the form of life both now and later. Jesus is asking you right now, the gospel is being given to you freely, it's a gift, what's your response? Jesus offers us life, life in abundance here on earth in John 10, love, joy, hope, peace, possible for you right now. He also offers you eternal salvation. The gospel is a free gift, Ephesians 2.8 says, but we need to respond by God's grace, but we need to respond with faith. Will you choose to receive it through belief? through surrendering your heart and life to Jesus Christ to say, no longer do I want to do it my way, but Jesus, I want to do it your way today. Wherever you are, just come and see and choose to put your faith and hope in life in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. John, John 20, 31 says this, these things are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. So my question to you tonight, this Christmas, the greatest gift of all time is being given to you freely. Will you receive it or will you reject it? Because your eternity hangs in the balance due to your response of it. A non-answer is a rejection. A maybe later is a rejection and you will spend eternity separated from God. To choose to receive is just to say, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I trust Jesus that you are my savior and I wanna follow you all the days of my Lord as you give me strength. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we get ready to respond? to the beauty of Christmas, the incarnation with points to the crucifixion and ultimately to the resurrection and salvation. How will you apply this good news tonight? Will you come and see in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your brokenness? Will you come and see the beauty of Christ? Come now, not later. Come with haste, not slowly. Will you choose tonight to respond by treasuring it? by down with the task list and up with the treasuring, by stopping and sitting at his feet like Mary, like, like Mary did when Martha was running around. Will you soak it in and savor it? Will you worship him for it? Gospel centrality and gospel priority. Will you choose to share it? locally, regionally, globally, and maybe someone here is like Victoria who had a missionary come at age eight and something sparks. God's calling me to something bigger. If God's calling you, we wanna, we wanna help you. We wanna walk with you. We wanna go with you. And maybe God's calling you to believe tonight and you wanna surrender. Maybe you've been around church or maybe you haven't been in church, but tonight there's something stirring inside you right now. And would you put your faith in Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And if that's you, would you just sort of repeat these words after me? And this, you aren't saved by any words to God in any prayer. You are saved by the work of God and regenerating you. But these words are just an expression of your heart and your need for God and an expression of worship to God. So if you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, just repeat after this. God, I, I love you, Jesus. And I am a sinner. And I need you to save me. Please forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died for me on the cross and that you rose again. I believe that you are the son of God and I commit to following you the rest of my days as my Lord. 
Amen. You are so, so loved. Jesus is worth it all and he's worthy of it all. Father, we love you and we're just so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful for your grace and mercy in our lives. We're so thankful that you came, that you invaded our mess, that you weren't repulsed by it, but you pursued us in it, that you didn't wait till we cleaned ourselves up, that you came and that you loved us, that you died for us, that you were risen for us and now you reign over us. And we trust you, we look to you, believe you. Jesus, thank you. May you receive all the glory and the praise that the shepherds gave you that first Christmas. May you receive it as we give it to you now because you are worthy of our all and you are worth it all because you are Jesus Christ, the son of God, the savior of the world who reigns and is risen over all. In your mighty name we pray, amen.